Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Welcome back to the hard shoulder. Let's sit back now and relax and wend your way into the weekend in the company of my final furlong panellists. Always a pleasure to welcome back Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap. Uh, busy time of year, is it? It is very busy, yeah. We're we're recording a Christmas special for RTE next week. Great. Um, not sure what night it'll be broadcast over Christmas, but it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Okay. And um, we're in pre-production on our feature-length documentary on After a Woman's Heart. That the song A Woman's Heart didn't change anything, but it became the soundtrack to change. Ah, so it's nice. And, and and music is your thing, as we know? Music, music. Okay. Neve Horan, journalist with the Sunday Independent. What sex uh, story <laughs> did you have this weekend? You would be right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing about Surprise. the last... Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I had politics last week and you didn't have me on. Um, I'm writing about the last taboo in relationships. Okay. We had great fun in the office guessing what I was going to say something filthy there. But I, I know, my my brain is overloaded <laughs> as well. more about here. you, Ivan. Can you tell us or are you going to wait till we buy the paper? <laughs> yeah. You have to buy the paper okay. like everyone okay. else. Okay. okay, I was going to say something really <laughs> filthy but I'm glad I didn't actually. My producer, didn't my producer was... would press that I'll button. I'll say it for you. <laughs> <laughs> We're all intrigued. What, right. what, what's your well, idea? The word O. Anyway, um, Steve, um, Steve uh, Cummins, any particular gig that you want to promote? Right? No, I'm just in the Laughter Lounge in, uh, not this weekend, the following weekend. Uh, actually, I'm in uh, Rathfarnham tonight in Cavanagh's right. Bar in Rathfarnham if you want to come down. Have right. A if you want to have Never a laugh. Never played there. I'm looking forward to it just right. to speak to Rathfarnham people. Right. And, and I'm sure they'll give you a few free pints. Are they as posh as they as they come across? Oh, Rathfarnham's gone down. Has it gone downhill, is oh, it? I'm very sorry. Like, you want to go a lot. Sand, sandy Mount now. Really. Should, I bring, should I bring the standing knife in? <laughs> D, it's D2, D4 oh, now. Oh, really? There's a lot of cultures out there you now. Heard it here first. All right. Well, well the, the, there's only one topic on the day that's in it: the sad funeral uh, of uh, the late great iconic broadcaster Gay Byrne. Uh, we spoke to Pat Kenny on the hard shoulder uh, the day of his passing. Uh, take a listen to his memories of Gay Byrne. A couple of pieces of advice. One was on a Friday when you're doing the Late Late Show your lunch should consist of egg and chips because you can't get food poisoned by <laughs> egg and chips. <laughs> and if you don't want to miss the show, then just have something bland, something plain. So every Friday at lunchtime, and I would often join them at the table, um, Maura Connolly, his great PA, his long-serving and very loyal PA, and Gay would be sitting having egg and chips, and I would come over with my egg and chips, although I didn't have to work until the Saturday on telly, and uh, we'd have egg and chips. So that was a very important practical piece of advice. Get a Pat Kenny there, uh, fulsome uh, tribute. Uh, did your paths cross, um, Bill? Many times, many times. Gay was an incredibly encouraging mentor to me. Uh, I The first time I 
properly met him was across the microphone on his radio show when he had invited me in. It was at the time I was producing MTUSA, so back in the 80s, mid 80s. And he said, you're a man about town. I need your advice on Christmas shopping. And I went in and had had to have a list. And Anne-Marie Harahan was the researcher at the time, who then went on to be this illustrious journalist. And uh, so we put together this piece and Gay cried laughing all the way through it. We had one particular thing when he said, the ideal Christmas gift for a couple. And I had found that you could get an inflatable, um, it was like a little drinks uh uh, what would you call it? An exotic island with two glass receptacles that you'd float in the bath when you'd be having mm. the bath together. Mm. Mm. Well, Gay thought this was hilarious that anybody would ever think <laughs> that he would have a bath with another person. Yes, let alone. Yes, he yes. says, that's only for poor children. Poor children <laughs> have to have together. And we cried laughing. But after that, he would always be asking and he'd call me Lovey. So, Lovey, how are you doing? What is, what's the next plan? What's the next big deal? Mm. What are you working on? Radio and TV? Late, Radio late and the yeah, Gay Burner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd say, you know, what are you up to? And he'd always ask and he'd always be interested. What do you think is his legacy? Because you've seen a lot of them come and go. Well, Gay uh, did open up Ireland. Like, he took a standing knife to the stomach of Ireland and he just disemboweled it. And was that out of curiosity or an agent for change? Because we've spoken to Father Brian Darcy who said that in private, like, you know, if I was the Catholic Church, I'd be sort of pointing the finger at Gabo for, you know, the revolutionary change if you were to sort of isolate one person and, and so on and so forth. He said he was actually, I said, did he, did he believe in God? Did he go to Mass and so on? He said he was actually a conservative Catholic. Um, mm, there's a, I, I love Brian Darcy and uh, that's, that's okay. I accept that he felt that. But I don't think Gay could have gone as far with poking society if he truly was because why would he be lifting the lid on something Well everyone is a product of their time as well you know he might have had one view 30 years ago and maybe another view Well it did change and you know my biggest disappointment with Gay was his interview with Annie Murphy but Mm. leading up to that his was you know as a young person coming to terms with my sexuality in Ireland in the 60s to have gay on the Late Late Show interviewing gay people mm. and to say that the, the, he's He a was a disruptor. It was uh, fantastic. You know, Eamon Dumphy said this last night. I thought it was a good word. Um, Neve, insofar as, as his legacy is concerned, I, I, I think that, because we're going to go on to talk about RTE, but when I was a child watching the Late Late Show, so... The 62 it started, we'd say the late 60s, the 70s, as I was a teenager watching it. We had black and white telly. There was no BBC in our home, it was just RT1 and RT1 and a half. There wasn't a lot on RT2. And the fact of the matter is that I'm just, I'm just wondering in terms of a contemporary discussion and Gay Byrne. He was a man of the circumstance that he really had a monopoly. There was no private parish radio. There was no nothing. Like, Gay sent me a text himself, the older I get, the better I was. You know, in time, will we give a different assessment? I completely disagree. I think you have to be that great to have 
this you know what everybody is saying afterwards to have this legacy that people still talk about I mean I even remember like we we only had RT1 there wasn't much to watch on TV but you had to watch The Late Late Show it was unmissable every Friday even as a child and to want to see all of that heavy chat and spoke about all the things that we couldn't speak about in our home and I'd say without even realising it got rid of shame over a lot of things growing up in an old Catholic house with the sacred mm. heart in the wall. And, you know, you talk about, um, it, Pat Kenny talks about as well, the advice and stuff that, that people... Um, he did mentor he, a lot did. of people privately. And, and he did help a lot of people, which he got no kudos or sought no kudos. And, and I remember the last time I saw him, he went to the Derby every year. Yeah, and always right. last man standing in the hottest tent whenever he was gone. And, uh, that's and right. I, I used to meet him at that every year as well, yeah. And, and I went up to him and I said, can I just ask you one thing? I said, what's your best tip for interviews? And he said, one word, listen. Yeah. Never underestimate the power yeah. of that. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it was like, you know, and I was watching back his shows during the week and they were as good as if you put them on today. They yeah. should they should run them all again because they're, um, even now they're fascinating. And he did. He was a brilliant listener. And uh, and like, there's he's irreplaceable, really. Stephen? I, lo- I, I, I loved it. A bit like you, yourself when the Late Late was... When I first became aware of it, I mean, there was only RT1 and half of RT2, as you said. Um, but you watched, you, it was one of those unmissable programs. You know, they talk about the, the one thing I think any TV producer or maker wants to do now is have the water cooler moments on their TV show that everyone's speaking about the following week. And it seemed consistently, the late, late seemed to do that. And I just, because I, I was thinking back, what memories would really jump into my head about the late, late? I did remember the Annie Murphy thing, and I was, I remember watching that at the time and just feeling that it was a massive ambush on the poor woman. But I remember things, I remember Billy Connolly on it, and I remember Meatloaf on it, and I remember... He had a lot of regulars too. He did, yeah. but I remember the, he had Meatloaf on, Used and Meatloaf swore and, uh, in the middle of telling a story, and he was like, oh, whatever, uh, stop, and gay handle it just, it was one of those beautiful, because this was, you know probably early, late 70s, early 80s, someone swearing live on television. And he just said something like, not to worry at all, but dear God, if you do it again, I'm fired or something. And, <laughs> he, did, and he was so charming. He's very witty as well. Yeah, oh, very, yeah. And very quick-witted yes, witty yes, as well. Yes. The, the amazing thing about The Late Late, and I have to say, I respect Ryan Tuberty as a broadcaster. I respect Pat Kenny as a, as a broadcaster. But The Late Late was Gabo's. Mm. And when Gabo left The Late Late, The Late Late should have finished because The, ga- the Late Late reflected Gable as a person. Because uh, uniquely he was the producer as well the, as the presenter, which it doesn't it, happen in this day and age. Exactly. And it reflected his interests and his role as the agent provocateur, whereas it then became about the presenter and the guests. And that was never what The Late Late was. And I think The Late Late should be rested. All right. And may he rest in peace. And again, our sympathies to Kay and all the family. Uh, and, and the nation is grieving for the father of broadcasting. May he rest in peace. OK, well, coincidentally, uh, last few days, there was leaks of the revised uh, RT management plan to cut 200 jobs and to cut costs over the next three years by 60 million euros. We discussed it at length on yesterday's show. Neef, you work in the media. Uh, all print media are losing print numbers, losing advertisers, and I think it's true to say it, all traditional media. Do you think outside RTE, uh, sorry, inside RTE, there is an understanding that the tectonic plates of audience patterns of your generation and consumer uh, tastes and, and the way they access media and 
consequently, the money has all changed and RTE is in denial about that. It seems, yeah. I think there is a lot of, well, I'm hearing a lot of denial this week, but it definitely is. Or maybe I, 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 at the end of the day, whether it doesn't matter how much competition is around and how many much choice you have. If somebody produces quality or produces something worth watching and reading, people will tune in. So, Even on YouTube, yeah. Absolutely. So it's just about making that. And so, I mean, when Orsi do good stuff, they do it brilliantly, better than anybody else. They just need to do more of that and then cut back the fat. And that's the same with every organisation. I mean, everybody is going to have to come up against that. And we're all in the same boat going down the same river. But, you know, it's uh, I don't have TV now. If I mean, I would handpick things from watching back. So would you Would you watch television? I handpick things. And I was only saying recently, and I'm not just saying So what this would you anyway. watch if the you don't have a TV? The only thing I watched in Orsi in the last couple of years, and I'm not just saying this because I would have watched it religiously, was The Cutting Edge. And it, it was something that was always a good talking point, was always entertaining. Nobody had to bend my arm to watch it. And so I, I will go to something if, if, if it's good TV in the same way I, I put in on my calendar when good things are coming out of Netflix now. I will make it my business to, to, to take an evening on a weekend to watch them. So oh. it's just about producing that So you stuff. just don't flick on the telly, play around with the remote. You watch what you want, when you yeah. want, on demand. Absolutely. Okay. And I hope Orty will reach a stage where I'll be getting emails from them like you would from Netflix and saying, this is out soon, you've got to tune in and, and you know it'll be good enough to, to actually do. Okay. Uh, Stephen, um, from this point of view, uh, we had David Harvey on the show saying, just purely from a commercial point yeah. of view, if you look at every station across the country, radio and TV, 330, 340 million is a lot of yo-yos in which to run any television station and so on. And the fact that they can't do it uh, was an issue that David Harvey raised and said, look, you know, everyone has a budget, everyone has to live within it, and, and they, they seem to not be prepared to do that. Is that valid or is that impinging on public service broadcasting to even say that? Well, no, I think, because I, I've kind of view, I love that we have a national broadcaster, but it's, it's a bit of a dinosaur. You know, there it as Neve saying, trim the fat, I mean, it's clearly top-heavy when it comes to employees. Uh, the one thing, anytime I've ever been out there, the one thing I've said, I've never seen anyone running. I've never seen anyone in a hurry in RTE. I just feel that it's, you know, there's a lot of people who've been plodding along waiting for their pension, you know, who've been there a long time and don't have that kind of hungry, you know, it's the difference between private sector and public sector. You know, if in if, if you know you're not going to get fired and if you know that the licence payer money is going to keep coming in and you know that the government's going to keep put, keep funding it, you're not really trying that hard. I We live by the coast and every five years our satellite dish would seem to rust through from the, the salt in the air and it would fall off the wall. You'd get a new one. And the last time it happened was two years ago. It was Stormophilia knocked it off the wall. And I had a really good long think about what we were watching. And I was going, like, I don't... And I realised I didn't watch RTE. I didn't watch anything like that. So I got rid of... I actually got rid of my Sky as well. So I have Netflix and Now TV, which is kind of connected with Sky. Mm. So I suddenly cost me way less. I haven't had RTE or any of the terrestrial channels in my home in two years. And so I obviously a them. license fee increase would uh, not please you? Well, not at all. And I've been religiously paying my license for the last, whatever, 30 years. All right. So you are a player in this because yeah. you, are a cons- uh, you are a supplier to RTE. I am, yeah. And The Cutting Hedge is, 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 is your programme. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think is the future of RTE? Well, can I just say that I questioned the motivation behind the leaker of the report. And what was the point in leaking that? Somebody gained from leaking it. And what did they gain? 
and why did they gain it? And well, answer your own question. What okay, do you suspect? so I suspect that they weren't ready to release the information that was released because it was still under negotiation. It was not ready to be freed into the air because there were a lot more I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. And there were a lot more tough negotiation elements to be put into it. And I think what they were planning was something even harder. But they were headed off at the pass and it was released out into the public before they could. And that's it's never good to be on the back foot like that when you have something big to share. Do you think the actual management of the news was mismanaged? Oh, completely, right. completely. Well, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break here because I want to resume one aspect of this discussion in terms of where RT will be in 10 years' time and maybe broadcasting will be. Bill Hughes, Neve Horn and Steve Cummins are staying with me. Join me after this quick break. Okay, just before the break, I was speaking to Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap, Neve uh, Horn of the Sindo, and Steve Commons, comedian, in relation to the future of broadcasting in RT. So you, you made the very contemporary point about the, the leak and, and the sort of, also the gay thing. It, it just was, was badly timed. Let, let's dig a little deeper because you, ha, you have a, a skin in the game with Cutting Edge because I have this view and I've, I've observed this in terms of particularly Virgin Media, whereby three people that I directly work with, my producer on the Tonight programme, Siobhan Russell, uh, Aoife Stokes, the head of current affairs, and Bill uh, Malone, head of pro, all came from RTE. So they do these rounds of VER, they do these cutbacks, and they say, well, we'll actually cut 10 cutting-edge shows, one of the new innovative programmes. And I'm kind of saying, well, everyone has to live within their budget, but they seem to find a way of cutting out the best people and the best stuff. Well, obviously, I'm going to agree with you in this instance. No, tell, no, but, we'll, but, well, no well, tell me. You see, I, am I wrong in thinking that there are layers of middle management? Because I often hear people who used to work in this parish who would say to me, oh, we had this cracking guest and so on. And, and it happened to me once that I was due to appear on and someone from middle management said, no, we can't have Ivan Yates as a guest on the show. And it was something I was, you know, it was a book or something like that. And uh, I actually didn't bother me in the least uh, personally about it. But the fact of the matter is that maybe these people in this middle management are justifying their existence and they're actually destroying the creative talent in programmes. Well, there's also a point for somebody like me that can't afford to bite the hand that feeds. But I will tell you, last Friday, I took the train up to Belfast because the BBC were telling the independent sector what they're looking for, for BBC Northern Ireland, but also for BBC Three, which is their player. And they were addressing what their programming needs going forward are to attract the younger audience. And I was thinking this is a model for what RTE should be looking at because it's the younger audience that they've lost. It's the under 35s, the under 25s that they've lost. And BBC Three have come up with an incredible way of doing it is that they are making programmes completely for that audience for the player, some of the programmes, if they're good enough, they leak over onto BBC One for a late night slot or BBC Two for a late night slot. But in general, programmes that are punching you in the face, that are really satisfying the youth audience and the cry out for stuff, they're going to the player and they can be watched at whatever time. Nobody is a slave to the schedule anymore. And I thought this was incredible what they were suggesting and what they were asking and also the tone of what they were asking. They said we don't want you to send anybody in over 25 in front of a programme. Everybody presenting must be 25 or less because and and there can be no 
judgment in the programme. So there can be no sense that adults are controlling the programme so that your audience is understanding that, oh, I'm being allowed to make up my own mind. This is not, I'm not being structured yeah, yeah. Uh, editorially. And I just thought this was incredible. And this is, the BBC have spent an awful lot of money Researching finding out this, what yeah, this yeah. is. And they presented us with incredible okay. facts and figures and very interesting graphics and all that sort of stuff. And I came away going, Okay, I now have a fresh take. I came back on the train. So that is the future. Notes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's just take one wider perspective, which is the political perspective. The argument is politicians have bottled a license fee increase. They have allowed uh, poor, you know, evasion levels, 13, 14%. But RTE in fairness to them, is expected to carry classical music on its back with three or four different orchestras, string quartets, I'm railing against it every day. They're expected to carry the Irish language on their back. Udros Nagelted, uh, 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 sorry, uh, TG, TG Cahar, losing 33 million a year. Radio Nagelted, uh, losing 13 million a year. I mean, surely we should take some hard political decisions and take the axe out to some of these sacred cows. Absolutely. I think, um, and the Irish language is probably one of the first that should go. I know that's terrible, but I mean, for the amount of money, we should not be having any more. There, the time is gone where you have you, you can have what people think you should have and, and give people what they actually want. You know what I mean? But I is that the politicians' fault? In fairness, it's not RT's um, fault. They would probably, They're given these mandates. They, I'd say they would probably get their fee if they actually start showing a bit of effort that they were going to make some hard decisions first. But people want to know that they're getting their value for money. So there would be absolute uproar if you up the fee at the current rate that it is, you know. Is there so, something wrong with the pro- programming on TG Car and... The cost of it. I know well, there's a cost, but is it, you know... Is so it, my point is not a lot of people are watching. Well, that's the thing, but people aren't watching. Unless not, they put on the rugby. If it's not good. A nice old western. But surely there has western. to be a way of making an Irish language TV programme that everybody wants to watch, or a lot of people want to watch. Even just a, an, an educate. You know, there's, there's a bit of a pushback. There are people who want yeah, to start When was the last Irish time now? you watched an Irish language programme? Oh, God, program. I wouldn't. I'm See, just there you go. People, I mean, no. but we're trying to be all pious We make Irish language programming. We make Irish language programming. We had a terrific hit this year with a four-part series called Morev, My Tribe, and it was about people who live in the style of the music that they follow. And uh, Jennifer Healy, who works with me, it was her idea and she produced it and it was phenomenally well received in the press because it naturally mixed Irish and English together. It was a bilingual series, beautifully shot and great stories. And bilingual worked. I go with that. Okay. Uh, Fascinating insights there into the future of public broadcasting and our national broadcaster. Bill Hughes, Neve Horn and Steve Cummins are staying with me, but now we must get a news update. Eamon is back. Welcome back. My final furlong panel are with me, Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap, Neve Horn, journalist for the Sunday Independent and comedian Steve Cummins. Well, what cut are I now? Harry Potter actress Emma Watson has been in the news this week after she described herself as, and I quote, self-partnered. Never heard of this before, Ivan. Rather than single while discussing the pressure of turning 30. So when I read this, I immediately thought of Nevor. She ticks... (laughs) Because I'm only 30. No, she ticks the box, turning 30. Uh, She has no baby, she has no husband, and she has no home. Can you you relate to this? (laughs) Where did it all go wrong? Um, uh, Yeah, I thought it was was quite a funny story and, and everybody being so worthy about it and giving her a big round of applause. But anybody who wants to be called 
self-partnered instead of single still has an issue with being single if you can't even allow yourself to be called that word you know and to me explain that to me like if you if you have a problem with people calling you single do you know what I mean you want to change the word around then you've got some issue there that you need to, right. to so I don't know you if think there's a stigma in well, being single at 30 no I'm saying I don't think she's a chill about it as she's maybe making out if she's ask, not asking people to call her that anymore and I also think self-partnered is a tiny it just sounds like another thing of this narcissistic generation you know what I mean sounds I like a euphemism for masturbation to be honest that was my first thought it was I'm self-partnered I was right through my teens but there is still a lot of pressure and stigma no matter how long people say we've come no matter how far people say we've come we all say we're forward thinking everything but I can see it slip out okay no no no, let's 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 just dig a little bit deeper Uh, (laughs) Dr. Ivan wants to delve into this a little bit no and the point is this that let's substitute the word 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. In other words, everyone does things later. They go to come out of college, they get their first job, they have their gap year and they do everything later. So that's all fine. And actually it takes longer to pay for houses and, and, and all this kind of thing. Is there a stigma at 40 in being single or self-partnered? I don't think there's ever a stigma in being single. It's other people who are putting the shame or trying to pressurise you. That's the thing. And so why do you need to do all these things even at 40? You know, I think people definitely did it too young before. So, so having a baby, mm-hmm. having a baby is, 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 is not a thing at, for a woman at 40. No, I'm saying that why do you have to do it at all? I mean, I often get asked a question, am I going to have kids someday? Still, I had got asked this two weeks ago, um, you know, uh, by somebody. Do that, you resent people asking you that? Um, I think it. I think it's still quite strange. It's to only ask you such and me personal, listening. To this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still quite strange it to is ask invasive. such personal yes, questions. Yes. As if I can just go down to a shop and buy a baby on a shelf. That's how people still treat it's that. Like somebody running up or to you go down and, to and opening your fridge and saying you've got too many eggs in there. Yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have sorry. been also you asked. Can, 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 can I? Can I also eggs? say that 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 I I think all of these questions apply equally to men of thirty or forty. You know. They I, don't, Ivan. Do you not think? They don't get the oh, same Oh, they pressure. do. I'm sorry, oh, Nate. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there is a body clock issue, which is a very specific thing in your eggs and all that. But I, I, I have two sons and two daughters who are going through this age thing. And I can see the very same thoughts of, all right, I'm now at this milestone. Where am I at in my life in terms of how much progress have I made to be able to afford a mortgage, to be able to secure it at home, oh, a house, to have a yeah, permanent relationship, I don't think that to men, settle down? I don't think the men get the same pressure about um, getting married and having kids because you can still um, uh, be 40, 50 and you'll you'll find a woman my, a lot my, easier than a, okay. a woman will find a man in her 40s or okay. 50s or and, 60s. And, and you've been very eloquent in ex- uh, mirroring the concerns that this lady has. My 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 thing, oh, for the love of Jesus, Bill Hughes, mm. uh, this generation are narcissistic insofar as it has been ever thus. I remember when I was 30 and thinking these things and my age group would have said, faced these molds, oh, will I ever be married? You know, and when, now maybe it happened a little bit earlier, but the truth is, this is just the journey of life. Get over it. Exactly. And I just think, anybody, I read that article and Emma Watson simply said, these days I regard myself as self-partnered when she was being pressurised about being in a relationship. It was a tongue-in-cheek remark that has become a banner headline by the frustrated uh, 
glitter or what do you call them? The, 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 the paparazzi. And oh, oh, right. All that. It's it's a paparazzi story. It's not. Oh, is it not a social media story? I don't think. I, I, th- I think it's just a makey up story. And I'm thinking back to my time in singledom. Uh, and I was single until I was 41. Uh, but when you wanted to but go you're, on holidays. you're still gaming. Well, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> but when you, when you were going on holidays, there was always the single supplement. Let's say you, you wanted to go on holidays and you wanted to go, oh, that looks fantastic holiday. And the price was there per person sharing. But if you wanted a single supplement, you got whacked with it. I think that still Because it was exists. to stop you going by yourself or as if there was something wrong with you going by yourself. And you look at, if you've ever gone to Italy as a single person, the idea, their idea of what a single room is, is a bloody broom cupboard. In a four star hotel, it's a still a bloody broom cupboard. You never never get the option of a double bed when you're travelling by yourself. You get this single little cot in a little tiny corridor off the back Not great corridor. if you're on the pole. Awful. <laughs> awful. You can never drag back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never have a takeaway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Stephen. Well, I, when I looked at this, I my worry, uh, you know, just with mentioning narcissism, we're very accepting. We've taken our acceptance levels to, to spectacular levels now. Like, anyone... I th- anyone can pretty much declare themselves to be anything in this like this the the fear the worry I have I, I don't want to word this badly because it could sound awful but um I always feel that things like Facebook are like what I call the illusion of friendship. You know, you watch people's conversations on Facebook and it's all like, no, I can't be there, but I'd love to be there. I wish I'd been there. Uh, I'll see you soon. We must meet up shortly. And the thing is people like People are getting more like social awkwardness is kind of almost being what's the word celebrated. Is it? So is the point they're being fake or what? what no, no, my point is that it, like life is tricky, right? It's not easy just going out and doing stuff, going out and meeting people. As you were saying, it was ever thus. It's it's always has been hard for you know to find the right person that you actually want to spend sure, the rest of your absolutely. life with. Absolutely, and, and, and of course, a bit of luck as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, but also going out sometimes you don't feel like getting up and putting on a smile and walking out your door and going meeting people, but you do it because you kind of have to. Whereas it's we, the same with work. You well, know what I mean? Sometimes work is uncomfortable, awkward and hard. Absolutely. And tiring. But the thing is, with we, we're, we're, it's almost make it get, it's gotten so much easier in the last 10 years to be antisocial, but you can almost self-diagnose and that gives you an excuse to stay in and kind of, you know, have this illusion of, f- of friendship on Facebook and yada, yada. And just when I read this and I thought, I'm self-partnered, it can also be a way of just going, if this becomes a, a, a an expression that people use, they'll be sitting there going, it's an excuse to stay home and be or single rather than push yourself Or maybe people just like staying home. I remember plenty of times in my 20s where you go out and you dollop and you go around all the nightclubs and pubs and all I wanted to do was get home with a cup of tea and a slice of toast. Do you know what I mean? And I think a lot so of... So you were an old fogey at a young age. <laughs> I had a... <laughs> no, but that, of, course, of course that's true. But the, I, think I blame the, your mother. I've, I've, I've discussed this. I went through you. years of never so wanting the party to end. Right? I just yeah, kept I running just, from okay, party to party. We have to, party. to immediately take a break. Uh, uh, party where, where is that going to go with his all night? Uh, you're going to hear more from my final furlong guests after this quick break. Welcome back to the final part of the final furlong here on The Hard Shoulder. Every Friday we try and get you into the weekend mood by taking a lighter look at the stories that cross our, our desk. Uh, joining me today, Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap, Neve Horn of The Sindo, a journalist and of course has another... Re- 
engaging sex story this week, the last taboo uh, of Irish sex life, and Steve Cummins, whose sex life doesn't bear much analysis. So let's move on to the next guest, uh, which, which is... A thing that caught our eye in this week's edition of Country Life. It's like, you remember that Hugh Grant thing? <laughs> what was he? He was the horse and jockey. You remember the correspondent oh, for when he was yeah. doing that yeah. press conference? Well, Country Life, I assume, is a very august thing. But they have a list of how to become a perfect gentleman. So let me ask you some questions. Bill, can you do the foxtrot? No. Right. <laughs> do you have things. your own smoking slippers? <laughs> yes, even though I don't smoke. That's because right. he, because he runs quickly in those slippers. And, and can you quote a poem both spontaneously and in a relevant situation? Or yes. maybe give us a poem. Give us a verse of a poem. Uh, well, I can, but why do you want me? When in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate. How is that for you now? Wow. It is. I, I, that actually deserves yeah, a round of applause. Uh, I'm, si- I'm sitting here thinking, unless I'm walking past some daffodils, I'm, I have an open hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, well, Bill. Seriously, this, what, what the, was that? The, 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 Shakespeare. The, the Times had the story that Jeeves and, and Bertie Wooster and all of this had all these checklists of things. Um, have, have standards slipped, Bill? Oh, yeah, standards have slipped. But, but that's because um, nobody cares enough anymore about how they're perceived because everybody expects that what they're presenting is sufficient or is enough. They're not worried that, in fact, it's not, that they need to work on their act a little better that people just think that because they blurt something out that it's acceptable. And it's not. And people don't put enough thought into what comes out of any of their orifices. They just don't think clearly in social situations when it's right to interject. When you come across as a bully, when you come across as a bore, people don't understand that anymore because they've forgotten to moderate their own behaviour. Because in life, on Twitter, on Facebook, they can say whatever they feel like and they think that carries over into social situations without reading the situation. People need to read the people they're with and not slap them all in the but, face but, with but red I, fish. I would submit, Neve, that that is actually good human adult advice there and, and admonition uh, that could apply to, to men or women. What we're talking about here is the perfect gentleman. For you, what is the perfect gentleman? Um, I heard um, a, a saying the years ago, and it said, good manners is an acute awareness of other people's feelings. And once you have that, you've good manners, and it doesn't matter what fork you use. Right. Yeah, it's very good. So good it, manners is, is an acute understanding of a... No, but, no, but sorry. Uh, okay. And it's so, just about having a good heart. You can have all the good manners in the world, but if you don't have, you know what I mean, that you're right. That it's emotion, the thing you don't bother with, you know, yeah. The emotional intelligence thing. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. wear the tweed jacket just, all you like, Ivan. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what you say when you're wearing it. Do you know what it is? It's just kindness. That's what it is, you know. And it, and, and, and actually, and I, I was only thinking this last week, I would take the Lewis a lot to work. I know it's a very short trip, but 
I see a load of gentlemen all the time, always letting you off first, letting you on first, giving up seats. I was with my mum recently in Barcelona every single time we went on the tube and it was the people that you'd least suspect. I, there was one guy that, that stood up and he had tattoos and big muscles and one of those, you know, those wife beater shirts and he was drinking a can of beer and he stood up to let my mum sit down and I thought I would have been afraid if I had met him and we were on our own. And so that's that's good manners. You know, it's not about wearing or the fox trot or a cigar because I'm sure there's many men over the years that you know that women would have gone out with and that would have done themselves no favours at the end of the night as we found out in the Me Too movement no matter what they dressed up in or how they presented themselves so yeah. uh, I feel Stephen that you might struggle with this question not even slightly <laughs> I, I am rearing two gentlemen my, both my sons I think it's what you described beautifully there Neil and I have to admit I'm going to steal that as a quote I think that's fantastic um, I got a tech, a random WhatsApp message there the other night from a mother in my youngest's uh, class saying that her son had got new glasses and he was really worried going into school about the glasses. And she said that when he came home, he said he had a fabulous day because my son had, who's 11, had uh, made a real point of telling him that he looked great and was just really kind to him. And so when you mentioned the word kind, that's why it popped in my head. And I just had this little back and forth. And she said, I just wanted to just, just randomly wanted to tell you that, you know, he was so nervous about it. And he just the fact that your son had really helped. And then my, eld, my eldest boy is 16. And on junior sort results night, there were some girls and they were drunk and they were a bit, you know, they were just not doing themselves any favours. And lads were all kind of, you know, all way, hey, what have you. And my son basically kind of intervened and went, you know, this, is, this isn't right. Come on, just relax and do whatever. And I was very proud of both of them. Because I I believe that being a like being a real man I think is 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 being a gentleman and and I there is the old outdated I do hold doors I do give up my seat I do all that I I was reared by a single mother and suppose maybe that was ingrained in me uh, but I was talking to my wife about this today and she knows someone whose eighty two year old father held the door for a woman recently say in the last six months a young woman who lambasted him verbally for doing it which I just thought was astonishing. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you feel about whether you think it's outdated, this idea of being a gentleman, but good Lord, to attack someone first is, is shocking. But I think it's massively important. And I think the more of, the more we, if, if we lose it, it's terrible. No, no I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I have to dissent insofar as what you're talking about is being uh, well-behaved. Uh, what you're talking about is being courteous, being civil, being polite, being a good human being. When I read uh, uh, Jeeves and Bertie Wooster, we're talking about proper posh here. I mean, to have a child named after you, or at very least a former Flames dog, learn the foxtrot, open an expensive bottle of champagne for no real occasion with a sword, shear a sheep and help deliver lamb, calf or foal, well, the old agrarian instincts there, have a bespoke spoot made on Savile Row. Uh, Bill ticked the box of a... a, 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 a a film, uh, break up a fight using your wit, not your fists, um, collect a library that requires a ladder um, and, 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 and uh, rescue someone to be a fair maiden or lost child. What I'm talking about is Downton Abbey, goddammit. They're, they're touching on some things there, though. I mean, That's you talk posh. about opening the champagne for no uh, reason. 
there's if somebody with a has sword. with well, it's class. It's the, class. We'll that's not class. But, but no, no, it's 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 class. That's hooray, as in terms of structure. That is. But for example, But I think class comes out in ways like as in, for example, the good wine, and you share it with somebody very easily. It that's generosity. That's good manners. There was another one there that you mentioned as well, having a library that you had need a ladder to climb up for. I think a man being very well read. I think that you know it's just there's some cultured. class about that cultured yes. cultured that's it yeah and, I mean like I, and maybe do, not do you understand the, have that so, side no, of it. I, I'm not decrying what you all described as, as good humanities mm. but like I'm looking for something something more elitist but, but, you're looking for rich no, yes, this is the thing. No, no, sorry, looking for rich, rich and no, there's lots of people who are rich and boorish. I mean, mm. I'm talking about a touch of but, class. But they, they're, you, <laughs> you mentioned there about the suit, the suit and Savile's Row. I think that you can get I'm surrounded a, a suit by on High Street and be always. Do you I know, do you know quality guys anymore. who are very well turned out, always very well groomed. They don't have to get it in Savile's Row. That's the type of see people of don't even know what Savile Row is. Very true. I was. I was get things tailored. They just come in. I was in Monte Carlo last year. Like if you look at your sartorial elegance that I'm surrounded you slag my tweed jacket look but I mean you didn't make much of an effort you have a bit of a t-shirt a bit and of a t-shirt can, can I ask a quick what, question what would you call that shirt when the what package is this pretty this can, was the summer's day Plaid. can I ask a quick question what is because everybody has one what is the one b- bad manners that you just really get oh eating with your mouth open oh, oh I can't yes. bear that <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, right over here oh, and, you and, and, and burping burping <laughs> is uh, making no attempt to consider why, why are you sniggering <laughs> I'm in, I'm in agreement, which is weird. I was in I was in of all places Monte Carlo. It was a it was a press thingy that I was brought over for, and I met the proper <laughs> poshest. And he was a young man. Um, he raced vintage Aston Martins, blah blah blah. And uh, I said, "Oh, I like your shoes. They were kind of like carpets made from carpet." And he said, "Oh, I got them at some uh, some rural event." And I said, "What rural event?" He said, "Badminton." And it was the badminton horse trials, and I was kind of <laughs> like the way he's. And, and Where was this set in in in, in what, England? Uh, where well, he was English, yeah. He was, uh, but this was. It just happened to no. be. We were in a bar really? in Monte Carlo. Yeah, it was, really? like, <laughs> just, it was. It was so wonderful. It was like, oh my god, I chasing bet all the he pantry. voted remain. <laughs> oh, not, I imagine, uh, <laughs> not. All right. Oh, we'll draw stumps at that stage. Therefore, my thanks uh, to my panel on the final furlong. Enjoyed the last hour. Bill Hughes, Neve Horn and Steve Cummins. Wish you well in all your future endeavours. And that's your lot from the hard shoulder for this week. My thanks to the production team, Mark Simpson, Ashling Moore, Dan Franniken, Alex Russo and Roisin Davis. Off the Ball is up next. I will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend and thank you for listening. credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.